This is the third week and final week of uh, give thanks no matter what. Uh, sometimes we can taper our thanksgiving because of situations in our life. But, but what we have been learning is that we are to give thanks to God, first of all, for who he is. But we're also to give thanks to God for what he has done. And that's what we've looked at in the, the last two weeks. So no matter your age, no matter, no matter your station in life, no matter your circumstances, God is worthy of your gratitude. And we must be mindful of that. We're going to be looking at King Hezekiah in Second Chronicles 29. Uh, we're not going to read the whole chapter, but we're going to read a lot of this chapter together. Second Chronicles 29. Now, Hezekiah became king of Jerusalem when he was 29 years old, doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And you know that that's an unusual description of the king in the Old Testament, because as you go through, many did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. They did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. And in fact, Hezekiah's dad, Ahaz, was one of those kings who did evil in the sight of the Lord. But in his first month of his first year as king, Hezekiah cleansed the temple of God. I want to read just the beginning here, Second Chronicles 29, verses 3 through 5. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. He brought in the priests and the Levites and assembled them in the square on the east and said to them, Hear me, Levites, now consecrate yourselves and consecrate the house of the Lord, the God of your fathers, and carry out the filth from the holy place. So why did Hezekiah need to repair the doors of the temple of God? His father, King Ahaz, sacrificed to the gods of Damascus. He cut the vessels of God into pieces. He shut the doors of the temple. He made altars in every corner of the town to worship idols. He built high places in every city in Judah to make offerings to false gods. Second Chronicles 28 Verse 22 says, King Ahaz grew more faithless. When I read that, I thought that rings true today, that he grew more faithless. And we saw what his activity was. So let me bring this just real close to us for a moment. You and I cannot become more faithful by rejecting God. You and I cannot become more faithful followers of Jesus Christ by ignoring God. You and I cannot become more like Jesus if we are disobeying God. Now, I just want you to think just for a second of your life right now. In what areas are you rejecting God? What areas are you ignoring God? What areas are you disobedient to God? And then we step back and we say, I just don't feel the power of God in my life. How come he's not active around me? How come I'm not seeing his power around me? How come I don't feel close to God? This is why. 
We grow more faithless when we practice the things of the world and ignore him and reject him. So when we're devoted to earthly influences, we distance ourselves from God's fellowship. And when we distance ourselves from God's fellowship, we also inhibit his work in our lives. So we are empty. We don't feel the power. And you might look into the mirror and say, you know, I thought this Christianity thing would be more than what I'm experiencing. It is. But we need to evaluate ourselves. What is our walk? Are we rejecting? Are we rebellious? Are we being obedient? So we call ourselves Christians, but are we supernaturally changed? We call ourselves Christians, but are we living the fullness of life that Jesus promised? Ahaz was king for 20 years. And when his son Hezekiah assumed leadership, the Lord's house was in disrepair. Hezekiah commanded the priest, consecrate yourselves, consecrate the temple, and remove the filth from God's house. It's interesting to note here, the priests were to get their lives in order before they could consecrate the temple. They had to get their lives in order and consecrate the temple before they could get rid of the filth of the temple. I don't know if you write in your Bibles, maybe you want to do it in the margin or on a piece of paper, but I want to encourage you beside verse 5 to put three references down. 1 Peter 2, 1 through 12. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. And 1 John 1, 9. Let me read those real quickly again. 1 Peter 2, 1 through 12, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, and 1 John 1, 9. I'll come back to that in just a moment. But how did the temple reach such an unholy condition? 2 Chronicles 29, verses 6 and 7 gives us the indicator here. For our fathers have been unfaithful and have done what was evil in the sight of the Lord our God. They have forsaken him and have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord and turned their backs. They also shut the doors of the vestibule and put out the lamps and have not burned incense or offered burnt offerings in the holy place to God, the God of Israel." So through King Ahaz's leadership, the people rejected God. They not only rejected God, they ignored the temple. They shut the doors. They turned out the lights. They didn't turn out the lights. They blew out the candles. They turned from God. They stopped praying and they stopped bringing offerings. It became in disrepair. They were called priests of God and they were called the people of God, but they had forsaken God. Let's go back to those references that I mentioned earlier. The Old Testament points to the New Testament. 
And when we read through the Old Testament, we should be looking for Jesus. We should be looking for the promises that we know. We should be looking for the teachings of Jesus in the Old Testament. And then it's affirmed in the New Testament. So if you have been saved by God through Jesus, these references are for you beside verse 5. 1 Peter 2 verses 1 through 12 says, you are priests. I want you to just say that. I am a priest. Say it. I am a priest. The next passage, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says, you are the temple of God. Say that. I am the temple of God. Say it. I am the temple of God. You are the priests. You are the temple of God. And then 1 John 1, 9 says you must confess your sins to experience the forgiveness of God and be cleansed of all unrighteousness. Now, since there is a foreshadowing of the New Testament in the Old Testament, we should take seriously how we conduct ourselves as priests of God and as the temple of God. Just as the temple needed to be dedicated again because it was neglected, we must continue devoting ourselves to God's service. We must be declaring our loyalty to him. Now, if we're not intentional doing those things, we'll become like Ahaz and we will grow more faithless. Therefore, we must be intentional about taking care of the temple of God. By confessing our sins, 1 John 1, 9, we rid the temple of filth and we prepare the temple for God's work through us. Same thing was happening in 2 Chronicles 29. The building was there, but it was useless. It was useless until the priests consecrated themselves, devoted themselves to the service of God until they devoted the temple to the service to God and then got rid of the filth. And then God could do what he wanted to do through them. Second Chronicles 29 verse 16 says, The priests went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it, and they brought out all the uncleanness that they found in the temple of the Lord into the court of the house of the Lord. And the Levites took it and carried it out to the brook Kidron. Now you can read before and after. For eight days, they consecrated themselves, they consecrated the temple, and for eight days, the priests pulled all the filth out of the temple into the courtyard. And then they took all that filth that was in the courtyard and they took it to the brook Kidron. Now when I hear the word brook, I think of our English language, I think of a, a little creek That's not the brook in the Old Testament. It says the brook Kidron. The brook is a valley. So it's the valley of Kidron. The valley of Kidron is also known as the valley of Jehoshaphat. It's the same place. It's located between Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives. Now what what is significant about this is in Joel chapter 3, God says this. 
I will assemble all nations in the valley of Jehoshaphat for their final judgment. So as I read through this and as I understood what was happening in this place, the very place where the priests dumped all the uncleanness, all the filth of the temple, is the place where one day eternal judgment will be met by all those who reject God, by all those who have turned the other way, devoted themselves to worthless idols, they will meet God in that very place for their eternal separation from God. After they and the temple were consecrated, verses 21 through 24 say that Hezekiah commanded all the city officials to bring seven bulls, to bring seven rams, to bring seven lambs and to bring seven male goats for a sin offering. Well, the priests slaughtered the animals and they offered these animals to the Lord and they took the blood. Imagine this. They took the blood and they threw it on the altar. Now, when I think of the temple of God, the most holy place, when I think of these things, I don't think of what's described here. I think pristine, beautiful, shiny, meaningful. But as I read scripture here, I don't think of the sounds of animals being slaughtered when I'm entering the house of the Lord. I don't think of the stench of death as I walk into the presence of God. I don't think of the bloody mess that has been splattered everywhere because of the sacrifice required by God of those animals. I don't think like that. I was attending a church conference in Lake Havasu City, Arizona. And as we all came in, the pastor came in to welcome us. He said, I know some of you have coffee in the sanctuary. He said, let me just say, it's okay. It's okay to have coffee in here. It's okay if you spill it. We'll clean it up. He said, who, who are we to be any different than the, the Old Testament sanctuary? Why would we get all upset over a little spilled milk, a little spilled coffee? There was blood everywhere in the Old Testament sanctuary of God. Just gave me a little perspective there. So as this foreshadows the better sacrifice, we read through Hebrews, the the better priest, the better sacrifice, that's Jesus Christ. So the Old Testament foreshadowing the New Testament, we're reminded that even with all that we can say, with all that we can do to consecrate ourselves, to consecrate the building, We cannot access God without the spilled blood of Jesus Christ. What a reminder that is. They were reminded. They didn't know what that meant. But there was blood everywhere so that they could be restored to God. Otherwise, we're doomed to the valley of death. So we should give thanks to God for giving us his son on our behalf. Give thanks to God for raising him from the dead that we might have eternal life, that we might be restored through him. It just reminds me again, this this thing about religion. Religion is do this, 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 and this, and this, and you will be whatever. That's not true. 
Our conduct should change as we are being changed. But it's all about Jesus. It's all about what he accomplished. It's all about his obedience. It's about his sacrifice. It's about his resurrection that's applied to me. I didn't earn it. Didn't deserve it. It's applied to me. And as God looks at me through the blood of Jesus Christ, he sees the perfect obedience of his son. I should be thankful for that. Because without Jesus, I'm nothing. Without Jesus, I'm not worthy to stand in his presence. So what happened after consecrating themselves, consecrating the temple, removing the filth, sacrificing the animals? We look at Second Chronicles 29, verses 25 through 28. And he stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals, harps, and lyres, according to the commandment of David and of Gad, the king's seer, and of Nathan the prophet, for the commandment was from the Lord through, the prophet, through his prophets. The Levites stood with the instruments of David and the priests with the trumpets. Then Hezekiah commanded that the burnt offerings be offered on the altar, and when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord began also, and the trumpets accompanied by the instruments of David, the king of Israel. The whole assembly worshipped, and the singers sang, and the trumpeters sounded. All this continued until the burnt offering was finished. Who praised the Lord with music and with song? We were told here the priests did, the Levites did, the singers did, the musicians did, and the whole assembly. We all have reason to give thanks. We all have reason to raise our voices in praise. We spoke about this last week. Don't be so prideful that you're afraid to express your voice. This isn't a matter of, are you talented enough to sing? It's a matter of, are you thankful enough to sing? Will you give your, your songs of praise to God in an offering today. Why would they sing? Why were they so joyful? Because God restored them through the blood of sacrifice. They consecrated themselves. They consecrated the temple. They removed all the filth of the temple. Then they made sacrifices that restored their relationship with God. Likewise, if you have fellowship with God through Jesus, you will respond to him with offerings of praise and with offerings of of um, uh, sacrifices of offerings monetarily as well as time. It represents your devotion to God for who he is. Your gratitude to God for what he has done. Second Chronicles 29 verses 29 through 30. When the offering was finished, the king and all who were present with him bowed themselves and worshiped. And Hezekiah, the king and the officials, commanded the Levites to sing praises to the Lord with the words of David and of Asaph, the seer. And they sang praises with gladness, and they bowed down and worshipped. So the entire assembly then responded to God. This is a big deal. At the end of our service, we, we have instruments play. We sing praises with gladness and we have an opportunity 
to respond to God. To fall to our knees, to bow down, to worship him. And what a beautiful response we often overlook. We, we overlook because of pride sometimes. Sometimes we overlook that opportunity because of our watches. Sometimes we overlook the opportunity because we just didn't listen to God at all. How can you respond to someone if you weren't listening? Now, I'm not saying that we should fill the altar every invitation just to be filling the altar. That might stroke our ego a little bit. But, but listen, I am saying this. We should fill the altar in response to God's holiness. We should fill the altar as we worship him in all his glory, praising him for his sacrifice and bowing before him in all humility. We should be at the altar praying for the lost people in our lives. We should be praying that God would use us to touch their lives and to impact the community for his glory. That's why we should fill the altar. Not, not for the sake of filling it, but because he's worthy. I'd say if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning, you ought to run to the altar. Come to me while I can be found. He can be found today. And if you don't know him, run. All you have to say is this, I need Jesus. I need to be saved. Otherwise, you find yourself in the brook Kidron for eternal judgment with the rest of the people who ignored him and rejected him. Second Chronicles 29 verses 31 through 36. Then Hezekiah said, you have now consecrated yourselves to the Lord. Come near, bring sacrifices and thank offerings to the house of the Lord. And the assembly brought sacrifices and thank offerings and all who were of a willing heart. That means they were not coerced. They did so generously. They brought burnt offerings. Verse 32, the number of the burnt offerings that the assembly brought was 70 bulls, 100 rams, and 200 lambs. All these were for a burnt offering to the Lord. And the consecrated offerings were 600 bulls and 3,000 sheep. Now, just, want, just pause right there for a second. How much blood is that? How much blood is that for a building? The stench, the crying of the animals, the blood that was spattered because it requires blood to enter into the presence of God. I'm so thankful for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. For it's through his blood, the last sacrifice, the best sacrifice that we can enter into the Holy of Holies. Verse 34, but the priests were too few and could not flay all the burnt offerings. So until other priests had consecrated themselves, their brothers, the Levites, helped them until the work was finished. For the Levites were more upright in heart than the priests in consecrating themselves. Besides the great number of burnt offerings, there was the fat of the peace offerings. And there were the drink offerings for the burnt offerings. Thus the service of the house of the Lord was restored. And Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced because God had provided for the people. For the thing came about suddenly. So have you consecrated yourself? 
Have you devoted yourself to God? And if so, as scripture says here, come near. Come near to the Lord. What sacrifices would you bring? Let me just refer you to a couple of verses. Romans 12, 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You see, we don't offer animals as a sacrifice any longer. No, we follow the model of our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself as an offering. He gave himself as a sacrifice. Jesus said to you and me, take up your cross daily and follow me. That represents that same kind of sacrifice. What does that look like practically in your life and mine today? We sacrifice what we think, what we think is best. We sacrifice our wants and our desires for his. We sacrifice the lusts of our hearts so that we might be filled with the Spirit of God. We sacrifice our time to join Him in His work. We sacrifice our authority to follow Him in obedience. That's worthy. That's what it means to sacrifice, to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to Him. We might also look at 2 Corinthians 9 through 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. See, when you and I set our minds and our hearts to God, we won't misinterpret that verse. See, if we just look at it standalone, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. That, that's like it's given to you. Oh, yeah, I think I'll give whatever's in my pocket. I'll give the leftovers. That's not the indication here. We're talking about followers of Jesus Christ. When we submit ourselves to him and his leadership, we ask God, what shall we give? And then to live in obedience, we give what he says to give. That could change from week to week. But we should be seeking his authority. God, what shall I give of all that you've given me? What shall I keep for myself and what shall I give to you? And we agree with him. And we give cheerfully. Now, if you and I faithfully give what God lays on our hearts, his house will never be absent the resources for his ministry and his missions. Never. God always provides. And he provides to his people. What thank offering will you bring? The assembly was so generous that the priests could not take in all the offering. We've seen this happen another time in the Old Testament too, where they had to say, stop bringing offerings. We've got plenty. <laughs> Never been in a church like that, but I've seen that it happens. The temple received peace offerings from the fat of the sacrifices. That, that indicated peace with God and peace with one another. And then there were the drink offerings that were poured out before the Lord, which is a foreshadowing of our Lord Jesus Christ, the new covenant in Jesus that was poured out for us, Luke twenty-two twenty. 20. 
The service of the house of the Lord was restored. And all the people rejoiced because God had provided for his people. I tell you what, we could stop right there. And we have reason to give thanks. The temple is restored. God has provided. He provided by way of his son, Jesus Christ. As he sacrificed himself willingly on the cross, that by the shedding of his blood, our sins can be forgiven. And through the resurrection of his son three days later, we're given eternal life through him. Church, God has provided a way for you to be restored. And in these next moments, we have an opportunity to respond to God, just as they did in 2 Chronicles 29. For some, it might be for salvation. And I would just say, if it is for salvation, come and find peace for your soul. He stands ready to receive you if you'll give your life to him. For others, you might be coming to consecrate yourself and empty your temple, God's temple, of all the filth. That's called confession and repentance. To put us in the place where we can be used by God. Still others, it might just be an area of obedience. What has God said to do that you're not doing? And will you make a commitment today devoting yourself to what God said. Maybe you've been visiting here for a while and you're, you've been holding back, but you know that God wants you here. Maybe today's the day you'd just be obedient and say, it's time, it's time to be part of the fellowship. And I want to invite you to do that. Praise him with gladness. Bow before him in worship. Declare your loyalty to God. We give thanks no matter what because of who he is. I'm going to have a, our time of invitation. Ryan and Mike's going to come up and lead us this morning. And the invitation, I think it's pretty simple. Will you respond to God, however he's laying on your heart? I don't need to belabor that because Scripture has already described it. But will you do it this morning? The altar is open. You can come without judgment. If you need to pray for a lost one, please do. Pray for God to use you in that life that they would know the truth. Let me pray and then we'll... We'll stand together. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for the clarity of your word. Lord, I thank you for the, the Old Testament temple and for what the priests and the people went through. Lord, as you point to us today, I pray that we would take seriously how we treat the temple of God and how we conduct ourselves as priests. May we be faithful to empty ourselves of the filth so that you might use us for your glory. Lord, may the loss come 
and find peace and salvation in you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.